0: Welcome to episode four of uh, Best Premier League 11s uh, with the team from whose team is it anyway? Uh, my name is Andrew and I'm joined as ever by uh, my lovely colleagues. First of all, Iddy, how are you doing?
1: Afternoon, I'm good. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Josh has uh, been very kind offering to come on.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, always a pleasure to have someone from the Anfield Wrap uh, uh, take part in this uh, on our wee little podcast um and second of all scott how are you man
2: yeah i'm good yep yeah. uh, very much looking forward to this one and uh, i think judging on what we've had so far we're going to get a couple of new picks so i'm looking forward to
0: it absolutely uh this is going to be an interesting team i'm looking forward to making your lads guess for it uh but first of all we need our guests so without any further ado let's cue the music So yes, uh, welcome Josh Sexton from the Anfield Wrap. How are you doing, mate?
3: Pleasure to have you here. I'm all good, thank you. How are you guys? Uh, yeah,
0: as I say, it's um, it's great to have you here, mate. Um, you know, obviously the Anfield Wrap is uh, a little bit bigger than our, our dinky little thing uh, over here. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to this um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the guys uh, react to your team as well. So. Um, just briefly before we um before we get into it, um give us a little spiel about the Anfield Rap. Tell us about, you know, your involvement with the podcast and how that's gone for you, mate.
3: Yeah, so I've been a part of the Anfield Rap since August 2016. So just a couple of months after Jurgen and Klock joined, and it's been a pretty wild ride from there. And the aim for for us, I guess, is to Sort of share that experience of of supporting Liverpool Football Club, and it has been quite uh, the experience and, and and the journey down the years. We do that from the heart of the city. We've got offices and studios in in Liverpool City Centre, and aim to you know share that to to a, a worldwide audience, but even people you know who go to the match who want you know kindred spirits to to be able to hear sometimes dissecting uh, some disappointing performances, but hopefully most of the time though dissecting exciting wins and and trophy wins and and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean if you've been covering uh basically the Klopp era, then you know, there's been a fair few number of pretty good uh, results in there as well. You know, a couple of a couple of decent trophy hauls that you've had um the past few seasons. So um so yeah, I'm sure it's not all bad. Um we are gonna try and rush through this. Um we're uh we're all a bit pressed for time today, so I'm gonna Jump straight in. It is going to be guessing first, and uh, we're just going to let the lads take a turn each to uh, to break down these players and, and have a look. See, but you know, it's a free flowing thing. We're not a set structure, so anyone wants to yell about a player specifically, feel free to do so. So we're going to go straight off, Josh, with your goalkeeper. Uh, this team's a four three three, fairly traditional, and I'll be going from well right to left basically as I read the team sheet along. So. Uh, yeah up first your goalkeeper has played for Roma international and uh one other that's okay. team that that'll do you think yeah yeah
1: it's uh, allison
0: uh josh can you confirm if that's correct that is correct yes <laughs> uh yeah i was I was contemplating how uh, how difficult to make this one for Iddy, but he's been hurt before, so um so yeah, we'll let him let him take that one. Uh Josh, uh, tell us why Alison made your team.
3: Yeah, so I was born in nineteen ninety five, so I didn't necessarily get to see the peak years of of Peter Schmeichel, I think the the sort of the, the other goalkeeper that stands out from from opposition teams throughout that time would have been maybe Edwin van der Sar. There's obviously Edison in in the modern day as well, who who is who is a you know a, a solid goalkeeper. And it seems like it's him and Alison Becker who sort of continually jostle it out for Brazil. But what a problem for for them to have. But for me, Alison Becker is is the all rounder. He's a great shot stopper, great distributor. He um, it, it rarely makes mistakes, and that's one of the things that I think is, is so important for, for us. Uh, you know, the, the way that Liverpool play and how it is, quite high pressure, quite a high line. Um, there's, there's a risk at times of leaving ourselves open. It's, it's just good that we've got, you know, one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world, um, as, as our last line of defence. Um, you know, sweeping things up, making great saves and putting us back on the front foot, as, as we've seen so many times throughout his, his time at Liverpool.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, one FIFA best goalkeeper. He's uh, had two Premier League gold gloves. Um, obviously, you know, in his time with Liverpool, he's won a fair few bits and bobs as well. Um, but yeah, Eddie, your thoughts on Alisson?
1: I love it. I love the pick because it's someone we haven't had so far in any of the shows. Now, I came in and I, when we were getting ready to record, I was like, right, surely this is the episode where we don't have Schmeichel picked as the keeper because uh, for the life of me, can't imagine a Liverpool fan picking Schmeichel. So if he's not going to pick Schmeichel, it's got to be either Grobler or Alisson. And then, no no offence to Josh, when we first joined on, I was like, yeah, it's got to be Alisson. He's he's perhaps a little bit too young to remember Grobler and um, it's going to be Alisson. So I was prepared and I was like, as soon as you said Roma, yep, that's him. Great pick. Love the, the style of play that Alison has, as Josh has just mentioned there. He's that kind of sweeper-keeper made famous by uh, Manuel Neuer-type player. Uh, rarely makes mistakes, and I just think he's he's a top-class keeper. And I think it's we live in an age where, when I grew up, Brazil was more kind of famous for their attackers and their midfielders and even their defenders that were viewed as attackers. But we're now in a stage, as um, Josh hinted at there and spoke about, where we... They've actually got two fantastic keepers and apart from Taffarel, their keepers were never really one that kind of piqued the interest, but to then have two keepers who I think I'm right in, they were both close to or just under or just over 100 million each as well. Um, So they're now in the stage where they're actually producing these fantastic keepers. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that Brazilians historically are really good with the ball at their feet. And now, These keepers, we're now expecting that from our keepers um, going forward and every team likes to play out from the back and have a keeper that can do something. And that's kind of giving these Brazilian keepers that little bit extra of an edge and that they, they do tend to have that little bit more skill with the ball as well as being fantastic shot stoppers. So I love the pick.
0: Good stuff. Uh, yeah, Allison was for about four weeks the most expensive goalkeeper of all time uh, when he was signed by Liverpool. Uh, but then Chelsea signed uh, Kepper four weeks later um, because it's Chelsea; they they have to be the best, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting pick, and as Indy says, it's uh, one we've not had before. So um, so yeah, great stuff. Uh, let's move on then to your right back, Josh. Um, he's um, Played only for one team at senior level um, and has made 17 international appearances, scoring one goal. Scott, any clues, any thoughts?
2: I think this one, I'm just going to say it's Trent (laughs) Alexander-Arnold. Yeah.
0: Uh, And Josh, uh, do you want to confirm or deny that one?
3: Yeah, I can confirm it is Trent Alexander-Arnold
0: and uh, why did uh, TAA make your team mate?
3: Um, again it's it's probably a bit of an age thing you know I I didn't necessarily see the peaks of, of Gary Neville I mean there's like you say with the Schmeichel pick there's no way I could have included uh, Gary Neville in this team um, there's there's fewer right backs who I think have, have sort of revolu- revolutionized the, the the right back position or even the full back position in general in, in the way that Trent Alexander-Arnold has in, in, in the past few years certainly not that I've seen in, in my lifetime there's been People who are great going forward and people who've been part of great teams and great defences and and been a part of those units and you know successful teams during that time but Trent Alexander-Arnold is you know one of the world's best playmakers he's he's potentially the world's best right back in my eyes you know his form's obviously been up and down to start this season and Liverpool fans have have, have let that be known as as much as anybody has let that be known of course there's an ongoing battle between him and Rhys James but um, I think Reece James has his own problems and his own inconsistencies in, in in his game as well. To sort of bring him into that as a comparison, um, because of maybe some Chelsea fans out there who might put Reece James in theirs, which I which I'd be okay with. But yeah, for me, Trent Alexander-Arnold is is a, an absolute unicorn of a footballer, a unicorn of a, of a fullback, and of course he's he's our boy as well. He's the local lad, so um, I've I've got to go with him in this team and got to give him his his, his flowers before, um, you know. He, Whatever goes on to happen in his career, I hope he spends the rest of Liverpool, I hope he becomes Liverpool's captain one day, but um, he'd be more than deserving of, of all those accolades and more than deserving of all the accolades he's achieved so far.
0: Yeah, over 230 appearances um, for Liverpool, and as you say, so far, only the one club, but he's only 23 as well, so you know he's obviously been fairly prolific. Uh, yeah, Scott, your, your thoughts and views on Trent Alexander-Arnold?
2: And yeah, I'll well, come to my agreements first. I can certainly see why I'd start him my head of Reese James. Um and currently in the league, <clears throat> I'm not seeing anybody that's really superior to him in any way. Um for me I think he's a bit too young. And I don't mean that in a way that you can't have a young player in the team. I just I think I seen I read something the other day um and it was talking about a sort of warning for him that he doesn't go maybe the way a Delhi Alley, a young player with all this promise who Let's it go because he's he's lack of ethic or he's lack of concentration, and I don't I don't want to disrespect the guy by saying anything like that is about him. Um, I think there's a level of maturity that you get through the experience, and for somebody to have played that many games for Liverpool at 23 years old, obviously there's an abundance of talent there, and we have seen countless moments of brilliance from him. But it's the lapses in concentrations where it does it, it does seem to get highlighted, and much like we have with Tavernier. There's plenty of moments of brilliance, and then it's the mistakes that that overshadow it. So
1: I cannot it, believe you've managed to find a way it's like to slag Tavernier on this pod. <laughs> it
2: doesn't it doesn't go in ahead of Gary Neville, and it doesn't go anywhere near Gary Neville for me, just now. But that's not to say that if we have done this pod in ten years' time, I might be eating my words and going, you know what? He's far surpassed anything that Neville ever did. So. um and a bit, but, like he said, he, he's a better fullback than Rhys James, 100%. And much like he said with Alison Becker, Alison Becker's a better all rounder than uh, Ederson. Ederson's probably the best distributor in the league, but Alison Becker, better shot stopper, better one on ones, better anticipation. So, all rounder, it comes up to it, So
0: Yeah, I mean, Trent has made the PFA Team of the Year three times 18 19, 19 20, and 21 22. So, he's Obviously been recognised. Um, like Scott says, he's a young choice, but you know, there's. I, I believe someone relatively famous said, "If you're um, if you're good enough, then you're old enough." So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting pick for sure. Um, coming up next, then Idy, um This player played for Bournemouth and Leeds United, as well as a couple of other teams, um, and made 81 appearances for his national team, scoring three goals.
2: Oof.
0: Um, and? Uh, I, I will be candid. To be you. With you. I've been a, I've been a bit mean because this player has featured previously.
1: I, uh, yeah, you've totally stumped us. I kinda of believe it. This early in the game. Um, Rio Ferdinand.
3: Utter bastard.
0: Uh, Josh, I think you might be able to confirm that that was correct.
3: Yeah, I can confirm, Rio Ferdinand. It was the Bournemouth through me. I wasn't... Yeah. The Bournemouth was... through me, to be fair. I, I, I don't know
0: about that. <laughs> While he was at West Ham, he went on loan to Bournemouth for 10 appearances. Um, I think in the first, in like his second professional year of his career. So, you know, I just thought it'd be mean of me, but you've was... you've managed no. to get there.
1: Well, well played, Andrew. Well played. It nearly worked.
0: Indeed. Uh, yeah, Josh, uh, tell us a little bit about Rio. Um...
3: Yeah, this this is another pick um, sort of made through gritted teeth. You know, I've I've resisted on Shymakov. I've, I've resisted on on Gary Neville. I take Scott's point about you know Gary Neville being being having the longevity factor. Gary Neville was part of a, of, a, of a really successful. United team, of course, but um, just you know, for 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 what Gary Neville means in the modern day, particularly to the poor fans, there was no way I could pick him. But Rio Ferdinand has to be in in there for me. You know, when I talk about footballers that revolutionised positions, you know, Rio Ferdinand was one of the first that I, I certainly remember in my lifetime. Ball playing centre half, so a, a player who could bring the ball out of out of centre back and look so. Comfortable on the ball, looked so strong. He, he was, he was commanding. He was, you know, the bane of 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 Liverpool's existence for for a couple of years while Rafa Benitez was was in charge, while you know Alex Ferguson was. The United manager, um, Rio Ferdinand, was, was the absolute stalwart at the centre of that defence. And I think, you know, funnily enough, Ferdinand's almost not the one of that partnership with him and Vidic that gets the praise. It feels like Vidic is actually the one who gets more of the praise, almost in the way of everybody going, oh, Nemanja Vidic was, was so underrated. I don't, I don't think Vidic particularly was underrated, I think. He was he was really strong, he was really commanding, he was he was that all action centre half, you know, making big tackles, heading the ball away, blood and thunder all the time, whereas Rio Ferdinand it was more like the orchestra beside village that allowed him to to go away and, and, and be so rock and roll, he'd always be in position and as as I say, he's so crucial to getting that United team. Onto the front foot from the center, from the centre back position, allowing them to to play out from the back. And and for me, he, he he's a he's a surefire pick for for I think most people's all time Premier League 11s. Unfortunately, because he did play for United and for Leeds, of course.
0: Yeah, it's um you know I think uh, it's a case of his quality over- overriding any uh, personal biases you might have there, Josh. Um, he's obviously featured before both in this series as well as our you know all time best 11s. Um. And yeah, he was in the Premier League team of the year in 2001 and one, two, and also 2012-13, which not only shows, I think, how skillful he was, but also the longevity of that career. Um, but, Eddie, I'll let you try and find something that we haven't already said about Rio Fernandes, Look,
1: I actually do have something that we haven't said, but there's not an awful lot that I'm, I'm going to say about him because we have discussed him previously. And I, I've said before, for me, he's one of, if not the best centre-back that's played in the Premier League, in my opinion. I think it's interesting jo- what Josh said there. It's kind of brought up what's going to be new from me in that he did the the kind of boring stuff, the, the stuff that people don't particularly want to watch or aren't really that fussed on watching that allowed Vidage to go out and just do all the the crazy attacking of the ball and, and that kind of thing, knowing that we had the stability of Ferdinand at the back. So I suppose um, the one thing I would compare it to that makes it, a bit of a new comment is a bit like the old goldson Catch partnership, whereas Goldson just did the the regular stuff which allowed Cattage to go and do the diving headers on the halfway line for no apparent reason whatsoever and um, that made fans love him. And, and that's a, a similar situation. And that description of Ferdinand as being that kind of um, steady Eddie in the back line is perfect. And a guy doesn't end up breaking the record transfer record twice without being a superb player. So I'll not say much more else on him.
0: No, absolutely. Um, And yeah, we've talked about him before, but, you know, obvious quality. And uh, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I think it's, as you say, a solid pick and a safe pair of hands at the back as well. Always appreciated. Um, So next up, his partner, the centre of defence. His players played for Groningen and Southampton, as well as two other teams. Uh, made 47 appearances for his national team, scoring five goals. Scott, you're up with the guess.
2: Just checking, can I actually say his surname on the podcast? Just
0: uh, as long as you're saying it as part of his name,
2: yes. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk. Uh,
0: yeah, Josh, I believe you can confirm that's correct.
3: Yeah, that is correct, yeah.
0: Uh, so, yeah, Virgil van Dijk, again, I think he's a new one for the pod. I'm not sure if we've had him before. Um, but, yeah, Josh, first of all, um, tell us why he made your too, team,
3: you know, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's another one that I've picked on the basis of sort of individual quality. But, you know, all the things I mentioned about Rio Ferdinand, I think Virgil van Dijk is is capable of, you know, bringing the ball out from centre-back, being the sort of calm uh, amid the storm. And that's not to say that, you know, the the people who've partnered him down the years have been particularly stormy, allowing for Dejan Lovren, who, of course, was... You know the master of, of of ceremonies in in that sense. You mentioned I think it was one of the range players you mentioned before who would come out to the halfway line and try and head the ball. You know without without any explanation as to why that was that was Dejan Lovren all over. Although you could throw in a forty yard shot in an FA Cup semi final last minute as well when you two went down to Aston Villa. Uh, Tim Sherwood's Aston Villa. I I always should. Qualify that with for for Dejan Lovren's madness that that he brought, and somehow the minute Virgil Van Dijk came in, he calmed that down. He he, he made Joel Matip into into you know in in most Liverpool fans' eyes a, a really underrated world-class centre back. He's made Joe Gomez. Even raise his his level as well, and we we all think Joe Gomez has got so much promise for the future, but there's still inconsistencies and little you know moments in his game. But Virgil van Dijk allows that platform for this Liverpool side to to go and play. He's he's, he's the bane of of, of of so many attackers' lives. I, I, I think about Inter Milan at home last season in the Champions League when um, Latoro Martinez was was sort of bearing down on Virgil van Dijk one on one. And rather than try and take Virgil van Dijk on and risk, you know, getting getting put on his arse effectively, he, he just decided to have a shot from 30 yards because like, I don't want to get anywhere near this fella. And that is what I imagine most people would say. I, I remember the Troy Deeney story as well, where he says, you know, Virgil van Dijk's quick, he's strong, he's good on the ball and he also smiles absolutely lovely. So um, I, I think that's, that perfectly sums up from, from Troy Deeney of, you know, why us, us Liverpool fans love Virgil van Dijk so much and why I think he is, he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest centre-half to ever play in the Premier League.
0: Already, uh, yeah, I think you know you don't make uh, Jurgen Klopp's team and stay in there for that long without having some quality. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on Virgil Van Dijk?
2: Yeah, well, um, firstly, glad to have another new pick in there, and uh, I don't begrudge an inclusion of Van Dijk, regardless of who he's played for previously at all. Um, we've all seen his qualities. Um, just, just what Josh said there. Scott, um, why would you hit Southampton? <laughs> Alluding to uh, well they didn't pay they didn't pay enough for Aribo, but we'll we'll stay away for that one. Um alluding to what uh, Josh said earlier on, that was one of my favourite piece of wordsmithery that you gave there when you were saying that he, Ferdinand was like an orchestra. And I think you would have the two of them playing in symphony with each other. It would I think the two of them would partner very well, two excellent ball playing centre halves. Another thing about Van Dyke's game is He's very effective set-pieces. He's very good going forward, as well as defending set-pieces, and that's that's a very strong part of his game. But the composure, and again, the, the, the example to have, like, like you said, with young Joe Gomez, having that next to you definitely breeds a lot of confidence and helps to improve the younger players that maybe do have those inconsistencies. The great players, the great centre-backs like Ferdinand, like Van Dijk, they mature at a level unprecedented for the centre-half position. I mean, you, you tend to think most centre-halves don't sort of come into their sort of prime, prime years to about 28 to 32, but for me, since arguably his sort of last season at Celtic, he was up there as one of the best centre-halves in Britain at the time, and when he's been on to that, he's then went on to prove he's one of the best centre-halves in the world. So, yep, excellent choice Van Dyke, and I, I think, yeah, like we've said, a first inclusion in the EPL team of the years, or team of the The all teams
0: Uh, best Premier League eleven, Scott. Come on, it's only the podcast you're on, mate. Yeah, (laughs) always. Yeah, uh, you know, Premier League team of the year. um, What three years in a row? 18, 19, 19, 20, and 20, 21. So you know, he's um, yeah, undoubted quality, and you know, always nice to have a new player to uh, to talk about. Um, Now we're going to go over to left back. Idi, uh, I think this is your guess um, this player made 14 appearances for Crystal Palaces uh, 9 appearances for Derby County played for a couple of other teams as well Ashley um, Cole <laughs> yeah and I was going to say and you've got a personal grudge against him yeah, but... I knew that was coming <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh I'll let you uh, do a little uh, you know, talk us through why Ashley Cole made your team yeah it's, it's a funny one
3: really because I, I, I I've realised that I keep sort of being a hypocrite throughout this. You know, I wasn't prepared to pick Gary Neville uh, from a personal vendetta base, and I think there's there's you know a, a number of people, an ever-growing list of people who would have a personal vendetta against Ashley Cole for for, for any sort of off the pitch antics down the years. But on the pitch, you know, for for certainly in my lifetime, there's not many better left backs I've I've seen in the Premier League era. He's a part of two. Of, of for me the the greatest Premier League teams of all time. I mean, obviously they are some Invincibles are, of, of you know, objectively in most people's eyes one of the greatest Premier League teams of all time for, for that you know, magnificent achievement they did in the three or four season. But then you know, the, the early Jose Mourinho Chelsea teams. Ashley Cole was an absolutely crucial part of of those teams. I mentioned before about the idea of being an all-round player, and, and for me Ashley Cole. Had it all. I would say he was he was always a better defender than he was going forward, but he was he was so so good going forward. His his crossing ability into the boxes, his, his pace during his his younger uh, Arsenal days as well. If, if if there's anyone around my age who didn't you know watch enough of those Arsenal sides under Wenger and particularly Ashley Cole's role within that, I, I would employ to go and do so because. He he was he was such a great footballer um, during his time. Great footballer for England as, as as well, of course. Obviously that England side, you know, flattered to deceive as as an overall unit, given the individual talent that that, that they possessed. But um, for for me, Ashley Cole was probably one of the more consistent performers at, at, at international level. Um and that, that that's why for me he he sort of has to make this team. There's obviously other great names that people will will call on down the years. And there may be a, a sort of Dennis Irwin shouting there. I think I see quite a lot kicking around. That's it's probably a little bit before um, my time to to have seen Dennis Irwin playing and I and I can't, you know, I have I have to try and limit the amount of Manchester United players I put in here. I can throw the odd Chelsea one in there, but I'm just gonna justify this one by saying Arsenal's uh Ashley Cole.
0: That's very nicely said, there, Josh. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Ashley Cole's made this, um, made both this and our previous show. I think probably the most frequent um, player pick that we've had. Um, yeah, undeniable quality. Um, we've we've talked about his stats and length before, but uh, yeah, Eddie, um, l- l- give us an insight. You know, wh- wh- why the pain with Ashley Cole? <laughs> right. So
1: uh, I think it's a fair pick because he seems to have been picked by every single person that's been on apart from um, Tom when he picked Winston Bogard and that was due to his constraints so I don't think I can criticise the pick at all Um, but I'm just sick of talking about Ashley Cole because the man just taking Cheryl Cole off the market and then damaging her the way he did he's just a horrible man and I just don't like him I've gone over it so many times I'm not going to go into too much more detail about
0: it (laughs) I just like hearing you complain about him now. It's just it's just fun for me really. Um right, let's uh let's move on from the uh left back and into the midfield. Um we are working with just a midfield three, which I think is a relatively flat three. There's no kind of wingers or anything like that in here. Um and first up we have Scott take a guess at this player. Um made ninety seven appearances for Genk three appearances for Chelsea um, and then he's kicked around a couple of other teams and made 91 appearances for his international team, scoring 24 goals and I'm going to be really interested to see if Scott can get this one
2: he's, How many appearances did he make for Chelsea? Three I mean Jesus. I'm waiting
1: in the wings if you don't know Scott
2: Oh God I bloody hate you I knew this was going to happen um, I'm going to stick with quite modern. I don't know if it was he played with, but being Belgian, I'm going to take a stab at De Bruyne.
0: Bastard. <laughs> I love this. Uh, Josh, I think you can confirm that's correct. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Uh, so yeah, again, I think um a new pick for uh for these shows that we've done so far. Um, I don't think there's any questioning his quality, but yeah, Josh, let us know why he made uh, your team, mate.
3: Uh, I'm I'm surprised to hear that's a a new pick, to be honest. There's been a couple that I'm I'm surprised have been new picks along the way. I know Virgil van Dijk's previous allegiances maybe uh, make him not a particularly popular pick on this one. But for me, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, you look at the Pep Guardiola era at Manchester City and how successful that's been, you know, back-to-back 90, 90, upper 90-point seasons. And there's been one constant throughout that. Guardiola has constantly chopped and changed that team, constantly rotated, constantly tried to find... New ways and formulas to to make that team the winning machine that they are. But one player who's always been at the heart of that is Kevin De Bruyne. He, you know, you, you mentioned that the yeah, the idea of sort of artistry when we're talking about Virgil Van Dijk and, and Rio Ferdinand at the back, or Kevin De Bruyne, his you know both both of his feet like uh, are capable of producing bits of, of of magic. Some of the passes he's played down the years, some of the set pieces, um, set piece routines he, he's been a part of during his Manchester City days are absolutely unbelievable. He's he's a player who. You know when he when he does leave Manchester City when he when he leaves the Premier League I'm hoping will will be a, a sort of lock for every single every single person's teams when when they when they come to pick these because for me he is truly one of the Premier League greats. We look back at David Beckham's career sort of favourably for you know his his wand of a right foot almost alone. You know there's, there's, there's obviously other qualities to David Beckham's game but that was that was the main thing that people will remember David Beckham for. Well Kevin De Bruyne has got that if not better on his right foot and then he's got a left one to to go along with it as well. So. So um, for for me, absolutely has to be a part of this, you know, for for the greatness of Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Begrudgingly, of course, because we've we've been up against it for so many years. But um, you know, if if there's one player who's been the consistent thorn in Liverpool's side, then it is Kevin De Bruyne.
0: I think that's a great word to describe him with Josh as well, consistent. I think, you know, since he came into that City team, he's been at the heartbeat of a lot of the things that they do incredibly well. Um, he's been their player of the season four out of the season, that he's been there, um, made the Champions League squad of the season four times as well and made the Premier League team of the year four times as well. So, you know, consistently operating at a high level. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on Kevin De Bruyne?
2: There's not much you can say about him, he's he's one of the most gifted playmakers in the world. Um I think when the <clears throat> I think when the Messi and the Ronaldo argument gets put to bed when they retire, I think De Bruyne might have a few years on the top of it if everybody's no screaming over the two the two strikers. But fortunately for the neutral in terms of watching the Premier League title race, um I think him and Haaland this season have been frightening how they've combined. Um, I don't know how Josh feels about that or what he anticipates for the, for the rest of the season coming up but I I certainly think I mean 11 trophies he's had in his time at City already he only looks like adding to it and uh, yeah his vision is just second to none can hold up a ball very well he's not one of the things as well as he's actually he's good at getting torn in he's quite a physical player for for his size um but again just him and Haaland combining this season is just just a, a new breath of fresh air into he? what he's capable of doing and what we've seen for the years. So, yeah, an exciting player. And again, another new addition to see in, but can't object to it in the slightest.
0: No, absolutely. Um, you know, undoubted quality, as I said. And, uh, yeah, again, it's nice to have a new pick. Um, and, yeah, I think, Josh, as you say, you know, it's not going to be surprising if we see some of the other Premier League uh, pods, in particular, picking him up as uh, as one of the players to to slot in because I think he's a useful player to have for sure. Um, up next, I just it's... wanted
1: to sorry, I just wanted to echo. Um, I know I wasn't going to jump in, but I, I totally agree with Josh. I'm actually surprised that it's taken so long for him to come up because he is such a fantastic player and uh, to have reached. In the season, halfway through season two, and it's the first time he's come up. Does surprise me.
0: No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's weird, but it, it might well be some of the biases of the uh, pods we're talking to as well, as to why he didn't quite make their uh, their cut. Um, up next, then we've got your uh, your kind of central midfielder as well, I guess. Um, played for LA Galaxy as well as one other team. I was praying this was
1: going to be one for me and not one for Scott. uh, Uh, It's got to be Steven Gerrard, surely.
0: Josh, I believe you can confirm.
3: Yeah, that is correct.
0: Um, So, obviously, it's a silly question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, Why did you, as one of the hosts of a Liverpool podcast, decide to pick Steven Gerrard as your best Premier League 11?
3: Yeah, it's, it, it is completely obvious. I think if you asked any Liverpool fans, to pick their their Premier League all time eleven, then then Steven Gerrard has has got to find a place in there. I've I've sort of cheated a little bit with, with my formation in this one, in the in the you know a, a a midfield three with the three players that I've picked in it. You may think there's not sort of much protection there, potentially offering a hint to to uh to my next pick. But you know Steven Gerrard in the, in the 13-14 season when Liverpool were chasing the title under Brendan Rodgers, um he, he played as a as a number six. So many times under Rafa Benitez, he was playing as number ten. He played on the right wing. You could basically play Steven Gerrard anywhere on the pitch. I think Hulé used to play him as a right back um, way back in the day as well. At times, he's 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 he's, you know all action can be involved in any area of the pitch. And I think he he will he will take to it like a duck to water. I I mentioned you know being being both footed is 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 a huge strength of of Kevin De Bruyne's. But if you've got a right foot like Steven Gerrard, you almost would never even need a left footer, but other than to stand on because Steven Gerrard's right foot was produced some absolutely unbelievable moments for for me as a Liverpool fan growing up um he is he is just to me the the sort of epitomical footballer. He is he is he is you know everything for for a Liverpool fan growing up. He he was he was all our sort of hopes and dreams because there were so many other players alongside him that maybe you know arguably weren't fit to wear the shirt or weren't fit to take Liverpool onto the objectives we we hope they would be taken to. But Steven Gerrard did that. He won everything bar the, the, the Premier League, of course, but was a part of of so so many good times at Liverpool. For for me, he's one of the greatest footballers I've ever seen and and probably ever. We'll see. I obviously hope that doesn't turn out to be the case. I hope that Liverpool can, can go and find players who, who go on to have better careers at, at the club. than Steven Gerrard, maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold can be one of them. Although, you know, at, at the age that, that Trent's at now, when Steven Gerrard was 23 years old, he, w- he was already such a, a crucial part and a, and a, and a leader of, of this Liverpool side. And that's why, for, for me, he, he has to be in, in any Liverpool fans, Premier League 11, and, and I would wager any sort of Premier League fans, Premier League 11.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we alluded to at the start, there it's not the first time he's come up. Um, obviously, a player we've talked about in depth before in terms of his on-field activity. Um, Josh, we'd be interested to get your thoughts on how you think he's been doing uh, since he left Liverpool. You know how you feel his managerial career has gone so far, and um, you know what 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 your opinion is on you know the kind of choices he's made since then.
3: I think he left Rangers too early. I, I don't know whether that will be sort of music to Rangers fans ears, or, or whether it will it will sort of I, I guess add to the to to any bitterness that maybe they all or feel like it rubs salt in the wound. I, I think he, he should have seen out the season with Rangers. I think he took the Aston Villa job too early. I, I understand that, you know. Things can change so quickly in football, and and you, you may feel like you you can miss an opportunity. But Steven Gerrard knows where where the trajectory of his coaching career has head, and he knows that at some point in the future there is going to be the Liverpool job on on the line for him. And I think he he he, he could have tread a bit more carefully, and almost a bit more cleverly, I think, to to have made sure that was the the, the route he was going down. I think taking the Aston Villa job when he when he did um, p- potentially hinders his, his his chances, or at least you know. Knocks them back a, a few years of becoming Liverpool manager because it, it was it was such a it was such a hard job. Like Aston Villa are a, are a team with massive resources, massive expectations. It's it's, it's a huge club. Um, Aston Villa, Dean Smith, you know, had, had reached his, his ceiling with that Villa team. He was getting the best out of players who probably weren't of the quality to to be a top ten Premier League side or even be pushing Europe and. Stephen Jarrell took that on and fair play to him for taking it on, but it's but it's it's backfired thus far. He's he's spent loads of money. Um, it's not necessarily been shown in, in, in on the pitch or in the results. There's been a lot of inconsistency, which I think, you know, wasn't wasn't the case at range. I think he he seemed to be very consistent at range. I know they they would throw the odd mad result in there, but for the most part, you know, he 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 achieved great things at range and I think he could have gone on to achieve more. He must have been sick. Watching um watching that Rangers side get to the Europa League final, knowing that he'd basically laid, laid the foundation for that, and wasn't able to to see that job through, and I think he'd be he would feel even worse if he was if he was to lose his job at Aston Villa, having you know having that potentially had been in front of him.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's worth noting that we're recording, we're probably uh, recording this about five weeks before anyone's listening to it. So, Gerard may well have lost his job by the time folk are actually hearing this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Gerard's impact is obviously undeniable. Um, you know, to us as Rangers fans as well as to yourself, there, Josh. Uh, we've got his uh, skull goal. Um, you know, being uh, commentated on in the intro to the pod, so you know his influence is undeniable. But I'll let the um, I'll let the two boys uh, talk about him. Scott, I'll come to you first, mate.
2: Just knew Eddie was getting the easy pick there as soon as I heard the LA Galaxy. But uh, <clears throat> no, uh, nice to hear what Josh said there. Like I said, even trying to take an object, that it was a it was a painful one, and everybody knows what it's like when somebody leaves your club or so. You may feel they've done the dirty on you or whatever there, but. Trying to look at it from an objective point of view, you can you can see the attraction of the Premier League, but I I, I agree with Josh and saying I don't think it was maybe the right choice for him. Um and again given that we all know his ambition, even though it's unspoken, everybody knows his ambition is to manage Liverpool, that uh the, the the experience in Europe might have stood him a better stead. Um rather than fighting a relegation battle and like I said, I think he's been fortunate with a couple of postponements at the moment. Um I know he's got a few injuries and he's got a squad that's not really gelling. Um and I'm sure they're due to play Leicester pretty soon and I think I think that's another case of highlighting both old firm managers at the time going to the the pastures new and the grass being greener and it, it just goes to show you that it's it's a, a backfire waiting to happen. But I think he's I think if he goes I I genuinely unless he goes down to the, the first division or sorry, the the championship and gets somebody promoted and makes them a solid side, I think he's going to have to do a, a hell of a lot more work than he would have had to do to, to even make himself in the in the running for the Liverpool job.
0: Uh and Eddie, I'll come to you briefly as well, just on um on Gerard's kind of managerial career at least. Um your kind of thoughts and views on that, mate.
1: Yeah, we've spoken about Gerard a few times on the show. He's He's obviously been picked a number of times. Um, no objections to Josh picking him in the team for his team. It wouldn't be my choice. I think whenever we have this discussion about any of these three, it always comes down to that discussion on the Lampard, Gerard Scholes. I know Scott sits in very much in the, the Scholes bus. I'm in the Lampard bus, but no objections to any three being put in. My main reason for not being Gerard, preferably, is... An, Please don't take offence to this, Josh. When I was younger, um, I also supported Newcastle. Now I'm, I'm just purely Rangers. I don't have time to support two teams. And the Premier League became too money oriented for me. I lost interest in it. But when I was younger, I liked Newcastle. And uh, I always disliked Liverpool because of, um, you might be a bit too young to remember, but I'm sure you've, you're aware of it, when they had that game at Anfield and Liverpool beat Newcastle 4-3. And that pretty much ended any chance Newcastle had a win in the league that season. Um, So I always kind of held a grudge and was a bit bitter about that. So I never really took to Gerrard when he played because he played for Liverpool because of that reason. Very petty, I'm aware. Um, Then he came to Rangers and I fell in love with him. I loved the way he spoke. Uh, I loved the way he talked about the club and, and the standards that needed to be in place and thought, yeah, this is a guy that just absolutely gets it and reflected on my previous bitterness towards him out of, pure childishness really and um, and really grew to love the man to be quite frank and then he left and i don't regret him leaving i'll be i'll be perfectly honest i am um absolutely fine with him leaving if he felt that's what was best for him in his career i i'm a bit bitter about the way he did it because he obviously just weeks before he said that he was happy and he was settled and was quite frankly quite rude to emma dodds when she asked about it when he'd been linked to the newcastle job and um, so to be so rude about it and then a couple of weeks later just up and leave and didn't even speak to the players before he left, as Tav famously was on Twitch that night and had said to people streaming, I, I don't know what's going on, nobody's spoken to us. So I kind of, I, I go between liking him and disliking him, but overall I don't begrudge his choice to go to Aston Villa, but I do think, I, I agree with Josh and Scott, he made the wrong choice, Um, left a bit early and gave up challenging in, in Europe or at least com- in Europe to fight a relegation battle and I, I think if he'd hang around maybe he's won another premiership, Scottish Premiership title a couple of cups and done well in Europe a, a more stable job than the Aston Villa job would have been available to him and that would have progressed his career towards Liverpool a bit better, now he seems to be stuck in this position where he's got a dramatic turnaround on his hands and, and he's going to have to do something quick
0: Yeah for sure um you know it's uh it's a difficult one um especially and, you
1: know and please josh don't take any offense to me disliking liverpool because that, that game it was purely football related and <laughs> annoyance as a, i think i was about 10 at the time Annoyance at seeing newcastle throw away a 12 point lead at the top of the table
0: uh right let's uh move on to the final midfielder then in josh's team um Played for Swansea City nine times, New York City FC 29 times, um, and made 106 appearances for his national team, scoring 29 goals. Scott, I think it's you up first with a guess.
2: Eddie sitting next to him on the bus, it is indeed Frank Lampard.
0: (laughs) Uh, Josh, I think you can confirm that's right. Uh, Why did Frank make your team, mate?
3: Um, it was sort of mentioned before that I think whenever whenever the conversations around Premier League all-time midfielders come up, you know, there's 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 the Paul Scholes argument, and again, I I sort of put Paul Scholes in the same category as I put Gary Neville. I think you think he was a sensational footballer, he was a crucial part of of really successful United sides down the years. But in terms of you know individual quality as a footballer, I think Steven Gerrard had more, and and, and I think Frank Lampard had more as well. You know, it's, it shows in Frank Lampard's scoring stats. He wasn't always the sort of best player on that Chelsea team and I don't think that's to to his detriment I think that's more indicative of of the amount of money that was going through um, Chelsea at the time when Abramovich was sort of throwing it all around Europe and and buying all sorts of players Um, whereas Stephen Jarrett was always the the, the best player on on the Liverpool team but Frank Lampard scored so many goals Chelsea so many crucial goals won everything there was to, to win another one who was sort of you know he he feels like he's he's maybe the one person who everybody says that down the years is 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 one of the ones that they wish would have done more for England personally. When I when I watched him play for England, I I never thought he was England's issue necessarily. I, I thought he always gave his his absolute all for England. And he, and he wore his his heart on his sleeve in 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 that sense. I I, I don't. Think too much of of the man now um, for for various off the pitch reasons, but of course he's the Everton manager as well, so uh, I tend to not get too too sort of stuck into to the personal side. But um, yeah, from a, from a playing perspective, Frank Lampard was 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 one of the best that there, there ever was in terms of Premier League midfielders.
0: Yeah, again, he's someone who's made uh, made these teams before, um, you know, three different Premier League Team of the Year um, selections. And yeah, as you say, won pretty much everything there was to win with Chelsea. Um, Eddie, I'll just get your thoughts briefly on Frank Lampard, as um, as I've said, you know, we've uh, we've obviously discussed him plenty of times before. But um, yeah, your thoughts.
1: So my initial thought when uh, I just said that um, when you started off with Swansea City, because we've got the Liverpool um, connection here, my initial thought was Joe Allen, and I was sitting thinking, Joe Allen's made a team. This is amazing. And then uh, he said New York City. I was like, ah, okay, no, it's not Joe Allen, unfortunately. Um yeah, that, like I just said with Gerrard, it's um, one of those. Any one of them three could end up in a team, and two of them, um, you certainly don't begrudge. D- Lampard, for me, I really liked him the most out of the three. I thought he was brilliant. I, I thought he was a really good tackler, but also really good going forward. I think he's Chelsea. He was like Chelsea's all-time leading scorer or something at one point. Um. And he's got that kind of attacking threat that you're looking for from your midfield that you don't always see in this day and age. And when you find one, you've really got to kind of grab it with both hands. And he had it in abundance. So I think it's great. And I know what Josh is saying there about England, how and we've discussed before they probably that error of team underachieved for the talent that they had. Um, but I certainly don't think it was on Gerrard and Lampard personally. Um, a lot of people perhaps had the discussion about whether they could play in the same team I I don't see why not I think it was just the struggle on who you get to play out in that left wing that kind of really held them back so to have Gerrard and Lampard in an all-time Premier League eleven, I think makes perfect sense and they're both synonymous with the Premier League and when you think of midfield in the Premier League especially goal scorer Mons you think of them too so yeah uh, I, I do like that choice and he would be my choice out of the the three that we've previously mentioned so happy to see him included
0: nice one okay we'll uh move on to Josh's forward line now um this player played 13 times for Chelsea 16 times for Fiorentina and 34 times for Roma on loan and then another 31 times um as a permanent signing he's played for a couple of other teams as well uh Scott you're up with a guess now
2: I'll be fair it's Eddie's guess
0: what is it? Okay. Let Eddie take it then.
1: Sorry, who's he played for? Chelsea, Fiorentina,
0: Roma, and a couple of other teams as well.
1: So.
2: I mean, I should
0: have I'm taken
1: have it, to, but Yeah, yeah. I'm. Oh no, no, I know who it'll be. It'll be Mo Salah. Sorry, I was sitting there thinking, surely it's not um, Adrian Mutu, and then. Um, no, I think it's Mo Salah uh, when I realised that he'd been on loan.
0: Josh is going to break your heart. <laughs> no, Josh, I think you can confirm it is Mo Salah. Um, again, similar to the Cherard one, but um, why on earth did you pick Mo Salah for your best team ever?
3: Um, yeah, as as you would have probably expected from, from a Liverpool fan coming on to this, there's been a, a sort of strong Liverpool flavour to this team. But for me, you know, if, if there's... There's been many sort of great Premier League forwards down the years, and there were so many. This this was obviously the toughest area of the pitch to to make sure I was getting the the, the sheer abundance of of quality into. There's probably going to be you know some generational factors that come into my other picks teasing them forward again. But for me, Mo Salah, you know, in terms of goal return, in terms of Individual ability, which is something I've sort of focused on through, throughout my team, but also in terms of his, his contribution to this great Liverpool team, which it has been under the club era. There's there's few players who are better. It's 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 sort of symbolic of that that he's now I think he's 12 goals behind Kenneth Algeishan in, in our all-time uh, top goal scorers. That that speaks to you know the level that Mo Salah has operated at since since he since he joined Liverpool in his first season. I think he ended up with sort of like I think it was 44 goals in all competitions in his first season. He's just set himself. An absolutely incredible standard. For for me, he's one of the best players in the world. Scott mentioned before, you know, when when the era of Messi and Ronaldo finally sort of dies down, if 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 that is when they retire, if it is a little bit sooner, um, Mo Salah will be in that in in that top bracket of players. I'm absolutely sure of it. He's he's at Liverpool for a couple more years now. I hope he continues to score goals. I hope he can, can continues to bring the success because um, he's been an absolute revelation since he joined Liverpool. And I think if 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 anybody would have seen. You know the contribution that he's made to this club coming when he when he signed after being the sort of Chelsea reject um, from from a, from his past life. Then um, then fair play to them they must they must be uh, they must be looking out for the lottery numbers because um, he's he's genuinely been an absolute revelation. He surprises all. his exceeded expectations at every turn. And for me, he's an absolutely phenomenal football player.
0: Yeah, again, uh, a new one on the list. Uh, we've not had him previously, I think, because uh, unfortunately, when you're picking from a world best eleven, or indeed even a Premier League eleven, you have kind of got an embarrassment of really good strikers who have played there. But um, Scott, I'm going to come to you first, but I want to get your both of your views on Mo Salah. But Scott, your thoughts first, mate.
2: Uh, much much like Kevin De Bruyne, actually, um, he never got a chance to bed in at Chelsea. He was uh, immediately discarded went to Italy, tore it up, and as Josh has said, he's come in and he's been an absolute revelation under Klopp. I don't genuinely think there's many better attacking options in the Premier League, regardless of who signs for who. Maybe until until Haaland come in this summer, I would argue that he's been the best attacker in that league for easy five years, four or five years. So, no, I can't have an objection. And uh, I, I think it's another... Another blow to Chelsea again. I, I know. I know you've said Chelsea reject. It's just, is it, is it maybe the patience factor at Chelsea that's not allowed? That did they not allow him to bed in, mature, whatever? Did he need that season like uh, De Bruyne did at Wolfsburg? Did he, did he need that season abroad to come back a better player or whatever? But whatever has happened, Jurgen Klopp certainly knows how to get the best out of Mo Salah, and he's been, yeah, outstanding. I didn't realise he was so close to to the Glacier's record. So, wow.
0: Uh, And, Eddie, your
1: thoughts as well, mate. Yeah, I think it's great that we get to highlight how much of a basket case Chelsea are, to be honest, Um, because that's two absolutely world-class players that they've had on their books and have just allowed to go and have ended up at big Premier League rivals in the end um, and absolutely tore it up. So it's brilliant being able to highlight how silly a move that was. Um, Fantastic player. He's, what, three Premier League golden boots, I think. Um and in the modern day he has everything, he's got skill he's got speed he whenever I watch, I mean I don't watch a lot of Premier League football but he, he seems to play out wide quite a bit of the front three um, but it's great at drifting in powerful shot, he's, he just has everything you're looking for for a player up in that position and I think he's a fantastic choice and again it's great to have a new player in and another one, it's quite surprising it's taking so long but you know, when the remit's so wide, I suppose that happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, question, you know, unquestionable how talented he is. Uh, As you say, the three golden boots, although two of them were shared, um, and uh, Premier League team of the year three times, you know, fans player of the season (laughs) for Liverpool three times, uh, and a players player of the season three times as well. So, you know, Unquestionable how, um, how important he is, I think, to that local team. And, yeah, as you say, great to have a, a new name in there as well. Uh, so coming on to the second of Josh's strikers now, has played for Barcelona and Juventus and a few other teams as well. But I'm going to let Scott take the guess because I think it is definitely his turn now. Thierry Henry. Josh, I believe you can confirm that's correct. Yeah,
3: can confirm. <laughs>
0: uh so yeah, uh talk us through why Thierry Henry made your team, mate.
3: Yeah, I I'm starting to realise a bit of a recurring theme with my team that I've almost gone for, you know, individual ability, but also cultural impact. And, and for me, you know, Thierry Henry is the name that I constantly reel off as being my my favourite non-Liverpool player of all time, I think, in terms of cultural impact in the Premier League, you know, when Arsene Wenger was 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 coming into that, that Arsenal side and and revolutionising the Premier League in in his own sense from, from a coaching point of view. Um, Thierry Henry was was right at the forefront of that for me. He was, he was the sort of French revolution in, in the Premier League. He was an unbelievable goal scorer. You know, all the things that he mentioned about Mo Salah there. You, you could you could basically attach into Thierry Henry as well, pace. Um, I, you know, as I, I, I talked about before with Virgil van Dijk, the idea that he's, he's a nightmare for attackers. I can't imagine being a defender, having to defend against Thierry Henry because it must have genuinely given you nightmares the night before you were playing him. And, and then even worse, that the night after playing him, he, he used to run defenders absolutely ragged. And again, it's one of them. If, if there's anyone who's sort of around my age who didn't get to see those those Arsenal invincible sides play or or, or that's, that Arsenal side under Arsene Wenger and see... Thierry Henry, in his absolute peak and in his absolute pomp, then you should go back and just watch some of the goals because he was was an unbelievably skilled, unbelievably talented footballer. It was no surprise that he ended up going to that that Barcelona team off off the back of all of that success in the Premier League. It's, It's almost a bit of a shame when you look back and look back at the you know the best goal scorers in the Premier League. That he's not, he's not got a few more to his, his name. Really, and he's not a little bit higher up that list because he, he, he absolutely deserves to be. For me, he's, he, he he probably is in my eyes the greatest Premier League striker of all time. Uh, he's a player that I absolutely love uh, and, and will forever love. He probably will remain my not my favourite non Liverpool player of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean he's um, he's obviously come up on the pod before. Um, One of only five players to have won the European Golden Boot two seasons in a row. Um, Some other little names in there like Ronaldo, Messi, Lewandowski, um, and of course the most important one, Ali McCoyst, all of whom had had the same record there. Um, We talked about Henri before, but uh, Scott, your thoughts on Mr Vavavum himself?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's as much a, an anorak when it comes to looking at impacts of players and football tactics and how they were used and stuff. If any of you have ever read the Mixer uh, by Michael Cox, brilliant book, um, and there's a, there's a chapter on it dedicated to the influence of Thierry Henry uh, when he came in, playing just advance of the ten role, but he was the original false nine. How he wasn't actually an out and out striker which to us sounds mad given the goals that he scored, but how he used to drift into space, he would often occupy the left flank. And he was really just different in terms of what was at the time your old-fashioned striker. Um, As much as we looked to the likes of, at that time, maybe your Alan Shearers, your Michael Owens, your Robbie Fowlers, uh, your Terry Sheringhams, this man tended to not... Put himself in the middle waiting for the ball But used to come short, allow the pass To come to him, create the space himself And then the amount of times Where he was able to just From that space, maybe an angle Where you would think a a striker Or a a centre is getting no right to have a shot He has a shot, and what he could do With a ball was magic, but genuinely After reading that and going back and watching how he played It it does make a lot of sense, but Thierry Henry One of these Players that the only negative review i think we've ever had was from the berkham wonderland pod um, who hadn't forgiven him for his departure from arsenal but
1: that is I, a nice way of putting that scott
2: i've uh, never never heard of a, never heard of even 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 the Spurs pod were quite complimentary about henry as well so um i think he's one of these players that his overall ability seemed to transcend the side divides and now nah, fair play Thierry henry He's up there as one of the best for a reason and yeah, no objection to his inclusion.
0: Great stuff. Uh we're gonna come on to the final striker, Josh, from your team. Um, or well, final forward, I guess, because uh I get the feeling that these front three is gonna be quite fluid. it's your guess and because uh, this is also to, you know, pick the winner of the quiz, I'm gonna make this horrible and difficult. Uh, this player has made 189 appearances for his national team, scoring 117 goals. Who is it?
1: Not giving as much to work on there, are you? Is it Cristiano Ronaldo?
0: Josh, I believe you can confirm that's correct. Yep, can confirm, correct again. Uh, so, uh, why is one of the two best players in the world in your team, Josh?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mentioned about the recurring theme through mine. I'm starting to realise that left hand side is is slightly problematic in terms of you know, off the pitch personalities from from my point of view with Lampard, Ashley Cole, and Cristiano Ronaldo, but all three deserve to be in there in terms of impact on the Premier League and in terms of individual ability. And you know we speak about individual abilities, but I I I am a Lionel Messi fan over a Cristiano Ronaldo fan. I think Lionel Messi is the more naturally gifted of the two footballers, but in terms of you know work rate down the years, in terms of the way he's looked after his body and, and his goal scoring record absolutely speaks for itself. Chris Ronaldo when he when he was coming through at Manchester United and for, for so many years after that in in those Fergie teams he was he was absolutely un, unplayable. I've sort of stuck him out a bit on the left hand side here. I don't know how much he would have actually played on the left hand side for for United back in those days. thinking think he had maybe been been interchanging but for, for Real Madrid when when he moved on to there, I know there was a lot of times that he played down the left hand side, and and he he's just been an absolute revelation of a footballer. He's scored, you know, countless goals. It, it's I, I guess to some people it'll be a bit of a shame that he's that he's not had quite the same impact on Manchester United as as a club and as a team since since he returned to the Premier League. I wasn't really expecting him to. I think you know someone someone said it, I think it was it he said basket case in reference to Chelsea before. I think I would I would uh, coin that term for Manchester United these days as as well, but. Um, for, for that initial spell alone, for, for all he achieved during that initial spell, you know, win the Champions League, of course, uh, in Moscow in 2008 or 2009, I think that was. Um, there's just few better who, who've, who've ever graced, you know, Premier League stadiums than, than Cristiano Ronaldo, so, so he has to be in there for me.
0: Yeah, unquestionable uh, Ronaldo's quality there. Um, he's obviously featured a number of times previously, uh, but Ilya, I'll get your thoughts briefly.
1: Yeah, it's going to be brief because we have, we've spoke about him a lot Um completely agree with, jo- with yourself and Josh that he's one of the two best in the world. I'm slightly different to Josh in that Messi, he said Messi's his favourite. Messi was my choice out of the two up until I think about three or four years ago. And then I, I kind of drifted towards more Ronaldo because he seemed to be, just based on their international careers, to be honest, whereas Ronaldo, if things weren't going well for Portugal, seemed to almost get the team to rally around him and, and get them on his back and carry them through games, whereas Messi, when things weren't going well for Argentina, seemed to drift out of games and, and almost go in a half and sulk a bit and then obviously retired from international duty a number of times. So that's where Ronaldo then started to go beyond it for me and then I think to have gone from being one of the best in the Premier League to go to La Liga and be one of the best there to go to Serie A and win there and then come back to the Premier League. Yes, things aren't going quite as well as um, he probably would have hoped on his return to Man United. But just having that willingness to go around and impact on those leagues, whereas with Messi, it was more kind of he stayed in his comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but stayed in his comfort zone and then eventually left when it was kind of financially related that he had to leave Barcelona I simply couldn't afford to keep him anymore. It wasn't really a choice. So chose to go to PSG, which for all intents and purposes is a one-horse race league and then didn't really have the impact you would have expected. So Ronaldo kind of shaded it for me over the two of them and um, was phenomenal when he was in the Premier League to start with and then just seemed to get better and better over the course of his career until the last couple of years. So another great player. I am, Josh, I'm going to let you behind the curtain on our podcast a little bit here I'm really disappointed you didn't didn't pick Luis Suarez mainly because I at the very start when we first started recording this career I think there's two or three occasions where I've a, I've actually got it wrong because I've been so sure that the person has picked Suarez and I've said him and I've been wrong every time and then the one time I didn't guess Suarez because I was like I'm not guessing anymore it was Suarez
0: No, I mean, um, part of my uh, my clues there were to uh, to try and try and trip it up, but he's just too canny for me. Um, Josh, uh, I want to thank you again, first of all, for uh, for your team. It's been interesting, and we've had a number of new players, which is always great. Um, one final question for you, though um you've picked your best team but who's going to be the manager for this team
3: Uh, I think there's only one manager for the job I've mentioned about there being a a Liverpool flavour to to this side down the years and and for me it's going to be Jurgen Klopp there's obviously you know I can't necessarily use the generational um excuse that I've used for quite a lot of my my Premier League team there because you know. Many of the greatest Premier League managers have come during my lifetime. I watched I watched Alex Ferguson's prime. I watched you know the the sort of back end of Arsene Wenger's prime. If not, uh, it definitely is his his prime years at Arsenal. But um, in terms of taking a team from from you know the lows of where Liverpool were when when Jurgen Klopp came in to make them into a relentless winning machine, um, it's it, it's it's always easy to say, and we and it's a thing that we always do in 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 sport, in so much as in football, it, if one thing wasn't like it was. Then you know, then then it would lead to a different result. Of course, that's going to be the case. But you know, Manchester City, if they didn't have the 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 sort of vehicle behind them a, 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 of an oil state, I do question whether Liverpool would have won more down the years, and and, and whether Jurgen Klopp would have been able to 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 walk away from from Liverpool whenever he does walk away from Liverpool from that fateful day when he, when he does finally leave us. Whether he would have walked away with with many more Premier League trophies at, at least to his name, because. Um, yeah, from 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 you know he he said himself from taking Liverpool from doubters to believers, and we were doubters before Jurgen Klopp came in. We we weren't enjoying the the, the journey of being Liverpool fans. Um, we we had many years of sort of infighting as as fans, many years of fighting, you know, toxic ownerships and and that kind of thing. And yet Jurgen Klopp came in and got us all singing from the same hymn sheet, and that's know, top to bottom at, at the club and and as, as a fan base as well, we're so so united behind this manager. Um And for for me, he is one of the greatest managers of all time for the off the pitch impact because I do believe that is that is just as important as you know the the coaching that you do on the pitch. And Jurgen Klopp has, has shown time and again that he is you know a, a great human being as much as a, a as a great manager. So I of course, I have to shout out to the other great managers. as i mentioned Fergie, I mentioned Wenger, Pep Guardiola, of course too. But um to, to to lead my side full of uh, individually talented and culturally impactful players, I'll, I'll have to go with Jürgen Klopp.
0: No, I think that's a fine choice. And, uh, you know, we, we always suspect there's going to be a, uh, a a bias, right, with uh, with various uh, Premier League podcasts that we've done. But I think you've been quite even handed and uh, I think Magnanimous and some of your picks there as well, uh, going outside the Liverpool bubble um i want to thank uh my two co-hosts first of all scott a pleasure mate thank you again
2: yep thanks and thanks very much to josh for coming on uh the only disappointment i've gotten the the 11 is we didn't see the inclusion of robbie fowler but i understand that might be generational
0: definitely <laughs> um and uh eddie thank you mate
1: yeah thank you for hosting Andrew and again I, i'll echo um Scott's comments there. Thank you to Josh for coming on and taking the time to join our podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have him on.
0: Uh, and yeah i'm gonna third that one josh uh, thanks again for uh, for coming on um i suspect if you are listening to this you probably have heard of the anfield rap but if not we'd strongly encourage you to go and check them out um they're doing great work over there and uh, are a much bigger and more successful podcast than us and they probably do know what they're doing um josh thank you again for your time
3: mate it's truly appreciated thank you so much guys
0: okay um Thank you all for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please give us all your feedback and uh, love or criticism in the comments. And until next time, thanks again.